the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In the devotional that we've been working through around Psalm 23 this month, there's a, a powerful image that I just can't quite let go of that was pulled forward. It's from Herman Melville's classic Moby Dick. And early on in that narrative is a scene um, that in many ways kind of sums up what we've been looking at this month as we conclude our journey in financial stewardship today. The scene is this. The narrator, Ishmael, goes to church before launching out on that um, fabled voyage that we all know that unfolds in the pages to follow. The topic of Father Maple's sermon is Jonah, which interestingly we've been in uh, quite a bit in the past month and a half. And he preaches on the inherent reluctance of people to obey God because of our nature. And while the story and even the person, Father Maple, are fictitious, the truth in the line that comes that follows from his sermon is not. It's quite fitting. It's quite pointed. It's something that I wrestle with, of course, not just in terms of financial stewardship, but more broadly in the whole of our lives. And the line is this. If we're to obey God, we must first disobey ourselves. It is in disobeying ourselves that the hardness of obeying God exists. This distills, in many ways, all that we've looked at this month, pertaining again not merely to our financial stewardship, but more importantly what it points to, namely our trusting of the Lord and our walking more fully with Jesus in all aspects of our lives daily. Namely, growing to trust Him above ourselves or anyone or anything else. And over the past few weeks, we've looked at that through the Psalm, of, uh, Psalm 23 and actually through that lens discovered a few promises of God that we find or embrace if we actually live in such a way. We've looked first, of course, that um, God will feed us, that He will lead us, last week that He restores us, and today, I'd actually invite you to look at the last half of verse 3, where we see that last promise therein, as we're called to reflect on it. It's in your bulletin. If you'd like to follow along, for those of you viewing in at home, you can download it off the website. It's there we read, after the Lord refreshes my soul, where we looked at this restoration aspect last week, that we read that He brings me, brings us, forth in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And there's the promise that he brings us. But where does he bring us and why does he do so? Those are the two points to ponder in this short phrase this morning. Let's first look at where he brings us. Several years back, Michigan State University and a lot of college universities, when they built out their campuses, did an interesting experiment. Rather than paving their sidewalks, they allowed the students to cut paths across their campuses, seeing where they would be most well-worn and trodden, and then they'd pave over it, rather than paving it and then having all these little offshooting paths that develop as a result. And as you'd expect, those paths cut straightway across certain open fields, even across streets. Some wound around hedges and uh, landscaping to find the most direct route to a building or destination. Paths, as we know and as we hear, 
are those well-worn, heavily trafficked areas that lead to a certain destination. They're familiar. And once they're formed, they're often journeyed with frequency. And we know this to be true in our lives, not merely just in terms of physical walking of paths, but walking out of all sorts of things in our lives, whether it's the familiar paths that you wander through the grocery store aisles to get the same normal things over and over and over, week in and week out, the familiar paths in our daily routines that we do with almost idiosyncratic um, kind of oddity, with regularity, almost in timing, one can cue that in this situation in our families, we joke about it with one another. Dad or mom or sister or brother will do this, right? We are creatures of habit. We even have familiar paths we take in our daily commutes, whether it's an actual path we drive or the back roads that we'll take. Um, we have paths that are familiar to us. And the most difficult thing we face in life is changing our path, even for one that is more well-trodden than the one we may be on, but is not the one that we are used to, but may be new to us. And this is important because the call of Christian discipleship, the call to follow Jesus is one that must lead on one path and one path only, and that is in the path that was cut by Jesus Christ upon the cross for us, for his path. He himself, as John 14, 6 reminds us, is the only path that will lead into the presence of our God. His path is one that leads us in righteousness or rightness, if we pull that phrasing apart. And it's different than any other path in life because it leads to a different destination than any other path in life will, namely to the presence of God himself. And as we walk out that path, and as we're called to walk it out, following in the footsteps of Jesus, we remember that we're not alone, but it's well-trodden as we remember this day on All Saints Sunday by countless souls down through the ages who have done the same who in that first reading were reminded of. Some we can recall by name. Some are known by name only to God alone, but whose righteousness resounds down through the ages. And yet for us to follow where Jesus has led us often requires a change of direction in any aspect of our life. As Father Maple fictitiously put it, it means that we must first disobey ourselves in order to embrace our obedience to God. And as it pertains to our finances, as we've explored in weeks past, that may lead us um, in such directions where we allow our finances to not lead us down so many other paths that can lead us astray, but stay with discipline and discernment on the path that God has given us. And so it requires a willingness not to just dial it in, but to check in with God, um, maybe even monthly, if not at least annually. Um, to see where we are in relationship with him on this issue, just as we're called to do so with re regard to our time, the use of our wisdom and talents that God has given us. And if we persevere, we're called um, to see the end of that journey, namely where it leads into the presence of God himself. And so we need at times, times of recommitment and renewal to lay down our lives once more before the Lord. And in this season in particular, I believe we need that because it requires a willingness for us to trust um, in what lies ahead, despite what lies ahead, in our Savior Jesus Christ. We don't know always where we're headed. In fact, we never really do, but we fall into that complacency of thinking we're due until 
times such as these may shake it up. And I believe this leads us to consider the second point as well. Namely, not just where God is leading us or where we follow Jesus in the paths of righteousness or rightness, but the second half of that verse is this. We do so for his name's sake, or he does so, I should say, for his name's sake. He does this, he leads us in this way, because that's who God is. Full stop. That's it. And dwell on me, dwell on that with me for just a moment, that word, for his name's sake. God leads us in right pathways through the valleys as we see that the psalm unfolds, uh, the valleys of deep darkness, um, the shadow of death, and times of difficulty. He um, guides us with his staff in areas we can't see and his rod to defend us. That is who he is. He never wavers. He never changes. He never has an ulterior purpose or motive. God is king. And his only purpose is that citizens of his kingdom would thrive and flourish as we are called to walk in that. It's that simple. And when we come to walk and live in that way, despite the valleys, the fogs of seasons like these, the times of troubles, the times of our presence in such times of troubles, our cup is full, our head is anointed because we are set apart. And so as we continue to walk in that path, we know where it leads, namely to our eternal destination. And we know that because of the one who leads us, who never will misdirect or mislead us. And I think while we know that about God, that's often something we wrestle with. Because if we're honest, we've never experienced in life anyone whose motives are entirely pure, have no self-interest wrapped up at all, um, who are unwavering, unchanging, and un. Um, negotiating in any way, but who remain the same day in and day out. And that is who God is. And we are called in many ways in our lives to trust in him to discover that, not because God's testing us, but because we're often so fickle, myself included, that we don't really see that until we actually obey what he calls us to do. And should we ever doubt that, this day of all days, you have this hall of heroes, as Hebrew tell, Hebrews tells us, who've gone before us, who down through the ages point to this very fact, who in the face of peril thrive, knowing this to be true, who faced in the certain terms of death embraced their reward, who laid down legacies in their lives, leaving homes and kindred to go to foreign lands as they did with Abram and so many down through the ages and found that they did not walk it in vain and they did not hope in vain. Countless souls down to this day and this age remind us of this fact. And in fact, Scripture reminds us that they cheer us on towards that end. And every time we gather, whether it's two or three, we're reminded of that fact, that they cheer us on, that we may find what they have found as we walk those right paths for his name's sake. For it is he who is there. It is he who is unchanging. It is his character and his desire that we flourish and be rejoined with him and them on that final day. So today, as we're called to reflect on that and recommit our lives to that, um, we're called to do so um, first uh, in the renewal of our baptismal vows, and it's also fitting that we recommit our lives in giving our financial commitments as well to solidify our convictions and our actions towards that end and to guide our feet on that sure-footed path that we walk in in pursuit of Jesus in this life. 
And as we've explored this month, and as we embrace that, um, walking faithfully in it as a church toward that end, it leaves us flourishing. And I can tell you this, I can look you in the eye and say that we will always thrive as a church if we do the things that God's called us to do, to put discipleship for first and foremost, growing in the character of Jesus, being about mission and evangelism, reaching those who do not know him, and continuing to reach out and bring and care for the least of these and the downtrodden in body, mind, and spirit. Those are the things the church has always done throughout the ages, and those are the things she will continue to do. And those are the things that will allow us to thrive as we've done in this season and as we will do in seasons ahead if we will faithfully pursue that. And I think we need to remember that because this week of all weeks, we need to hear it, do we not? This week of all weeks with whatever comes of elections next week, wherever we are next Sunday, wherever we get a COVID vaccine that works or doesn't work, wherever the financial economy leads us in the months and years to come, the fact of this remains the same. God is on his throne his kingdom is unshakable, and his promises are unwavering. And if we will walk in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, we will go home to our eternal reward because that is who God is. That is his character. That, as the old prayer book called it, is his property. And you can take that to the grave because many have and have not been left wanting. So in times such as these, especially in times such as these, we need that to be reminded of with regularity. It's something we can trust wholeheartedly. It's something we can pursue without wavering. It's something fittingly on this day, strategically in God's wisdom on this All Saints Day before all that lies before us in the next couple weeks that's swirling around us, we can respond once more with our hearts and lives and trust the one who is changeless, namely God himself, who will lead us to our dwelling place in his presence forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.